This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. WrestleMania 2, but the world has come to. Vince McMahon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the greatest sports entertainment spectacular of all time. Welcome to WrestleMania. Welcome back to Review of Mania, episode two. And this week, I don't know what we're reviewing. Maybe some WCW Mayhem. Maybe um, ECW Barely Legal. TNA Bound for Glory. There you go. Oh, wait. This is a podcast where we review every WrestleMania. And this week, it's 1986. And it's Hulk Hogan. Versus King Kong Bundy in a steel cage match. WrestleMania 2. Yes, WrestleMania 2. But before we get into that, we should probably introduce ourselves for our new listeners. My name is Rob. I'm Zach. And you can go learn more about us on episode one. Listen to episode one. Yep. That's about it. And I do want to say, starting off, we've joined a new podcast network, CosmicPotato.com, where it's kind of geeky stuff, and I know a lot of wrestling and anime and and geek stuff in general, just kind of all clash, video games. So um, if you're into that sort of stuff, check out. There's other podcasts to listen to, CosmicPotato.com. So... <laughs> Yeah, I I was checking them out. I think they have a Star Trek podcast, a few others. So if you're into sci-fi, you should definitely check out their podcast selection. Yeah, it's definitely interesting that wrestling fans kind of tend to go like, you know, you always think of like, oh, it's a macho guy, you know, uh, frat guy, whatever. No, a lot of fans of wrestling enjoy a lot of uh, a lot of other types of movies and TV shows. Right. I would say that wrestling is kind of inhabited by nerds. I mean, our most, like, godlike person in wrestling, besides Vince McMahon, of course, is Dave Meltzer, and he's a big nerd. That is true. Freaking nerd. Yep, nerd. Although, apparently he's ripped now, so... Yeah, he he's got better abs than... Than John DeMuno. Exactly. Mundo. Man. Where's the ab off for that? I don't know. Oh, man. Well, good for him. <clears throat> so, it is WrestleMania 2. 
Yes. It was really interesting. Like I said last week, <clears throat> it was the first time I had watched any WrestleMania one, and it was interesting to see where people were placed on the card this time around and what roles they were playing. And I was also introduced to some new characters I'd never even heard of before. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll get to that. Um, man, yeah. You know, I gotta say, too, Rowdy Piper, man, he is a racist motherfucker. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, which is unfortunate because he's so entertaining as a wrestler. Yeah, but whatever. We'll get to that. Yeah, well, we will. Um, so WrestleMania 2 is kind of an interesting show just in general because it is the only WrestleMania to be held in multiple locations. It is. Uh, it was held in three different arenas across the country, and it is the only WrestleMania that was held on any other day besides Sunday as well. It was shown on a Monday. <laughs> What a terrible, just what a terrible, like, gotta go home from work, you know, gotta rush home, WrestleMania 2, baby. Yeah, yeah, so there were a, a couple of weird things happening with it, so basically what would happen was each town got four matches, and then they would watch the matches that weren't happening in their arena on big screen televisions. So where were these locations held? So the first location was in, was the NASA uh, veterans Memorial Coliseum in outside of New York city. The second is the Rosemont horizon in Chicago, Illinois. And the third is the Los Angeles Memorial sports arena in Los Angeles. Yeah, and it actually wasn't until recently, just this past couple weeks, uh, they did a similar thing for the Raw, uh, was it 30th anniversary? 25th. 25th? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a huge, <laughs> that was a huge disappointment. Yes, it was. And they should have learned because they did WrestleMania too. Exactly. They're just repeating the past now. Exactly. With a similar results, because even WWE themselves said, yeah, well, it sounded great on paper. It left a lot to be desired for the fans. Especially the fans. They got fucked over in NASA. I can almost say even Chicago. I mean, there was one big fight, but I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's there for the main event. True. Yeah, and and the thing is, um, we'll get into it match by match in just a second, but the thing about it is, I have a list here of all of the endings of the matches. Yes. Rob, how many matches ended in a clean pinfall on this show? Oh, God. Uh, I'll say three. It is more than three. <laughs> it is... Six. So half of the matches ended in clean pinfall or without outside interference. Yeah, we'll get into that. Good grief. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, so let's start off with match number one, well, which was... Hold on, hold on. Okay. So, 
We got a very brief intro with uh, jazz music this time. Last year was the acoustic stuff. And Vince McMahon is introduced, and he does his famous welcome to WrestleMania. I can do no, no. He does do that, yes. Yes. See, I always thought that was WrestleMania 1. And then he introduces Ray Charles. Can we fucking understand him? (laughs) Uh, Good God. So, a color co-host. There is so many more celebrities than there were WrestleMania 1. Good freaking lord. They went, I would say, overboard. The guest color commentator for the evening is Susan St. James. Well, for New York. For New York, yeah. Apparently, who is an actor uh, who in 1986 and Wikipedia lists her as Dixie Commentator. Hmm. You know what? Um, I didn't mind her stuff, honestly. Oh, God, I hated her. Well, hear me out. <laughs> yes, she said, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, no, she, she was, no, it wasn't that. It was the, oh, no, Vince, he can't do that. Oh, man, uh-oh, he's in trouble. Okay, yeah, like, there was some oh of that. Oh my god, but, she was like monotone the entire night. But I thought that she did a good job with the George the Animal Steel Macho Man match. She really yeah, got into it a she little did. bit there. She did. Now, uh, Ray Charles is introduced, like we said, and Vince McMahon yells so much you could, couldn't even freaking make out who he was. Uh, it doesn't start off so well, though. Um... There is lots of feedback, nope. but the improvement from last year, it's not uh, Mean Gene. And now they have video footage, which ends with Hulk Hogan in front of 1980s vector graphic fireworks. So yes, Hulk Hogan is America. Hulk Hogan is the ultimate symbol of America. Yeah, the terrorist meant to, knock, meant to hit his house. Uh, he, he would just, you know, crush the bombs with his 24-inch python. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you and something, Saddam Hussein. He uses vitamins as a shield. <laughs> um, I, I uh, thought Dre Charles was still alive, but unfortunately he passed away in 2004 of liver disease. So. Yeah, I mean, he was he was pretty old <laughs> He was looking pretty old then. He yeah, had he the gray was. hair and all that. Yeah, that is very true. Gene Okerlund then comes up and introduces us to the show from Chicago in the Rosemont Horizon. We are then thrown to Rowdy Piper for his boxing match against Mr. T. Rowdy is down to 230 pounds, and Mr. T uh, knocks him out. He'll quit boxing. He'll quit pro wrestling. He'll quit tiddlywinks. And he'll quit dating girls. Good interview. Yes, but he but he'll stay with uh, Bob Orton. He'll he'll he won't quit him. No, nope. Bob Orton. It's it's Bob too Orton. important. This is rock. <laughs> First match is Don Morocco with Mister Fuji versus Paul Orndorff. Okay, so let's talk about <laughs> Don Morocco for a second. Yes, because uh, Don Morocco has gotten a couple of different nicknames over the years. Yes. So he started off as Don the Rock. Morocco. <laughs> and now he's in his heel, the magnificent Morocco. Yes. But there were some pretty interesting and pretty funny vignettes using Don Morocco and Mr. Fuji around this time where they were basically spoofing Miami Vice. 
<laughs> so I I always enjoy this pairing <laughs> a little bit because of those. <laughs> All right. Now, now, if you guys remember from us talking last week, Paul Orndorff was actually in the main event of WrestleMania 1 yeah. as a bad guy. Yep. Damn phone. All good. I have to shut that off. Hold on. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'll just shut it off. So I won't get the loud loudness. Okay. So Paul Orndorff was in the main event of WrestleMania one as a bad guy since a year has passed and now he is a face. And I was surprised to hear that pop for him yeah. at the beginning. He was over, man. That he was. And uh, so this match is one of many that kind of ends in a uh, double count out. It's not even overly long. It's like three minutes long. Uh, 4.05. Okay, yeah. And so with introductions and all that, it ends up being like four four ten. Yep. And and so most most of the match, Paul Orndorff is working in armbar. <laughs> yeah. And and working the armbar and then working the armbar and then they go outside and it's like the fastest ten count <laughs> you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah. <laughs> they were like outside for like ten not even ten seconds. It was like freaking barely anything. And then the bell and then, rings, and it's like, yeah. what the fuck just happened? And the crowd. <laughs> Did you hear the crowd? Yes, they were chanting bullshit. Yeah. Here, I thought and this the... was a thing only done in, like, today times. Nope. Hell no. The freaking 80s, they wanted their fucking money's worth. They paid, like, 25 bucks for their tickets. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right around there. So I've, you know, here's the, and here's like the, the thing with like Paul Orndorff, when you're watching his matches, the only thing you'll, you really want to see in a Paul Orndorff match, you did not get to see in this match. He has the most beautiful pile driver in the business. And you did not get to see it in this match, which oh. is the thing. What I really like too is like Vince McMahon was confused. Like it seems like everybody was confused. Like I wonder if they went off script or something, because like this just seemed like some kind of screw up. Because like Vince was confused. Vince thought it was a countout, and Susan St. James had no freaking clue. So instead no. of waiting around. Like everyone's like waiting, like everyone's just kind of like walking around. So Paul Orndorff is like, I'm gonna take the opportunity to pose. So he starts posing, and you know, so Vince is like, Well, while we figure this out, let's go to this pre recorded interview with Mr. T. And Mr. T, from what I could hear, was he says he's going to hit him if he tries anything dirty, that he'll respond in the same. Then during the interview, the house microphone is put over the top of this and Howard Ficker explaining the outcome of the first match, which is called a no contest at 4 minutes and 10 seconds. Meanwhile, this interview is still playing, and you would think, you would think, this is pre-recorded. Either A, 
they could have fucking edited this. So, you know, it's like, hey, let me just cut a little bit and we'll, we'll just, just take out that portion and put in a clean, uh, you know, put a clean interview in and then just somewhere splice the audio at the end or something. Something. You could probably get enough B footage or, you know, of, of, of just stuff like crowd reactions and stuff. You could just splice in. But no, they're just like, screw it. Mr. T's not saying worth anything anyway. Who cares? We didn't even want to show this interview, probably. Yeah. It yeah. was so weird. Yeah. I'd never <laughs> seen something like this happen in any wrestling that I've seen, really. But especially in the WWF. Like, yeah, this no, isn't them. Definitely, definitely a big mess to start off. And with the second match, it didn't necessarily get a whole lot better. No, and I said, I said, what in the blank is going on? You start WrestleMania two with doing this dumb finish. Were they even like? To me, it was just like I thought about it. Like you know, you bought WrestleMania one. You're like, oh, that was awesome. You're like, okay, WrestleMania two. And then it starts off this way, like, good grief. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. Then, and then they just go right into the next match. Yep, which was Randy Savage, accompanied by his manager, the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Yes. Versus George Steele, and this was for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. So... Vince McMahon calls this a unique matchup. Well, any match with George the Animal Steel is kind of a unique matchup. Yeah, that is true. Because uh, at this point in George George Steele's career, he can't move all that well, mm-hmm. but he still the the people still love him, so he can he kind of uh, gets away with it. Yep. No, he's just one of those characters that are just larger than life, and the fans accept him for what he is. And, you know, are we going to see a world title title match with him? No. Is he going to be a whole world title champion? Heck no. But, uh, you know, the, the easy route of the the weird guy wants the pretty girl. Yeah, pretty much. He's infatuated with the pretty girl. Yeah, I mean, George Steele spent most of his career as a as a heel, and it's only in in the latter part of his career was he uh, kind of a goofy, fun loving face. Type. Yeah, and you know, it's funny is George Animal Steele just passed away not too long ago, and it yeah. was really interesting to actually hear his story. Um, he was a wrestling coach who did this stuff on the side. Yeah, well, he was also, I think he was like a history teacher, too. Like, he was an actual school teacher. Yeah, like, and he went to matches and worked under a hood because he didn't want his students finding out who he was. And then he started making enough money because of the WWWF, so what Vince Sr. did, that he quit teaching and just became a professional wrestler full-time. I'm sorry, kids, you have no future. (laughs) (laughs) All Um, right. So essentially this match, like you said, Susan St. James, man, she got wound up. She loved Animal, George Animal Steel. Um, but essentially well, I it's... Think, I think really she liked Elizabeth and yeah. she just but, wanted somebody to treat Elizabeth correctly. See, and that's what's so interesting is like we hadn't got to that yet where he's treating Elizabeth badly. He's He hasn't got the... 
he isn't the, you know, egotistical uh, macho man yet. He's. I think he always was the egotistical macho man. Gotcha. But it's just, it's kind of ironic that they did this um, storyline with George Steele, considering the how Randy Savage actually treated Elizabeth backstage. Yeah, no kidding. For those of you who don't know, Randy Savage was pretty possessive of Elizabeth, and so he would like lock her in the locker room during matches so he, she wouldn't talk to people and things like that. Needless to say, their marriage ended in divorce. Yeah, and I mean, like, but I mean, you hear about it all the time, you know. Women go on the road, and you know things happen. It's, it's, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not saying it was the right way you handled it, but, um, you know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. George the Animal Steel versus Macho Man for the Intercontinental Title. Take it away, sir. Yeah. So this match, um, for the most part, was Randy Savage running away from George Steel, uh, hitting him from behind. Most of Randy Savage's big moves weren't really seen. Randy Savage was more of a high-flying wrestler, believe it or not, (laughs) in his time. Um, So, And George Steele really didn't do a whole lot in this match. Like I said, he was mostly immobile at this point. So the biggest move that he did was a double choke lift to Randy Savage, which was pretty impressive. But I think Randy did most of the work on that. (laughs) I love the fact that... uh... Somehow a bouquet of flowers got from a fan, according to Vince, into the match. And Macho Man had to sell for this bouquet of flowers. Yeah, you know what? And the other thing is, I'm surprised that he did not get disqualified for hitting George Steele with it, or vice versa. That's what ticked me off, too. It's like, they're so inconsistent with, like, what considers a DQ. You can hit hit him repeatedly with flowers, but... You know, you go outside for a couple seconds and boom, double count out. <laughs> right. So about three quarters of the way through the match, Randy Savage hits the elbow drop and he attempts to pin George Steele, but George Steele kicks out at two. Yeah, that was cool. They did the power spot. Yeah, he did the power spot, meaning the Randy Savage kind of leapfrogged up. Yep. And uh, Vince McMahon made a big deal out of this because nobody had kicked out of the elbow drop before. Most of the time, people didn't kick out of finishers at that time. It's kind of commonplace now, but back then, not so much. Yep. I But considering how the match ended, I really wish they just would have ended it there. Yeah, that um, is true. How did the match end? So the match ended with uh, Randy Savage doing a double leg takedown and then putting his feet on the second rope and using that leverage to pin George Steele. Yep. There you go. Our second, even, our second not, match, and there's not even a clean finish yet. Right. And it's not like... The, like... There is a move in wrestling called there is a, like a double leg takedown that could be considered like a spine buster. The Rock used to do it, but this was just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna grab your knees. Oop, you tripped. I'm gonna lay on top of you now. Yeah, it didn't look good. No. 
Yeah, this match sucked. I hated this match. Yeah. George the Animal Steel ripped up a couple of uh, turnbuckles and ate the stuffing. Yeah, whoopty. And you got to see his green tongue. Yep. Do you know how he got the green in his tongue? I don't remember. He used to eat a bunch of mints. Mints? And that's how he got the green in his tongue. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts versus George Wells was next. Yes. Um, now, Jake the Snake Roberts, I think, doesn't necessarily need an introduction, but for no. those of you who don't know, he's like the greatest wrestling character you may, like, ever, in my opinion. Like, he is so good in the ring. Great promo, And so too. good on the microphone. Who the hell is... Who's George Wells? George Wells is a jobber. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? So uh, George Wells starts off takes and takes uh, Jake down. George Wells is very athletic with a head scissors of all things. Yeah, but it was like that. Um, yeah, it was a weird looking head scissors though because like he like had to twist his ankle to get the leverage. It, it looked like it actually hurt more, hurt George Wells more than Jake Roberts. Yeah, uh, a huge knee lift which kills Jake. Yeah, he had great selling even back then. Like, uh, then there was a close three count after a power slam by Wells. So we were seeing a lot of stuff here that like wouldn't come com- commonplace for a little more, you know, for a little while. In my opinion, yeah, it was more, much more of a fast-paced match. Um, let me let, let's look up George Wells real quick because I was pretty, I was under the impression that he was pretty much just a jobber let's see canadian football league player um okay and then he worked for stampede wrestling oh okay not too okay and this was and then he worked for the wwf and this was his final year in the wwf oh interesting but um so i don't know not out of nowhere Jake hits the DDT, which Vince Man just calls a maneuver. So it didn't have a name yet. No, it didn't. And Jake was the only person using it. <laughs> yeah. How ma- how long did the match go? I don't I don't have the time in front of me. Uh, it went just over three minutes. Yeah, because it, it seemed like it was essentially like Wells took the entire match, and then it was just like boom, DDT, pin, done. Yeah. And this was just to show off the the power of the maneuver, because within the next few years, Jake would be a much bigger player within the WWF. Oh, definitely. So then it comes to net this. I think this is really, really, really why they want it. And I don't think Damien had a name yet. It was just the snake. So he unwraps a bag with the snake in it and, you know, it puts it around George Wells. And nobody cares. Like, nobody. Like, Vince and Susan St. James are trying to sell it like it's an awful, awful thing. And the crowd is dead. Yeah, and George Wells even vomited. (laughs) I didn't notice. And nobody cared. Yeah, he had all this, like, white stuff all over his Ah, face. I'm glad I didn't pay that close of attention. We cut to a video (laughs) package showing... How the feud got started between Mr. T and Rowdy Piper 
which uh, consisted of Bob Orton attacking Mr. T from behind when Rowdy Piper challenged Mr. T to a bare-knuckle fight while T had boxing gloves on. At least that's what I thought. But then I found out, oh, it was a boxing match between Bob Orton and Mr. T, and Mr. T attacked him from behind, or uh, Randy, Rowdy Piper attacked him from behind, or something along those lines. So the the video package didn't do a very good job of explaining the promo, why no, they were fighting at all. Other than we knew just... from last year, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. Uh, all we knew from last year is, you know, they had heat with each other because, you know, uh, they fought last year. So I was like, okay. It's just rematch. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. I'm just glad that we don't have to deal with Mr. T after this. Oh, thank God, yes. Good God, yes. We then go into Jesse Ventura in California with Hulk Hogan, who is who has busted up ribs. But he says defending his championship for all his Hulkamaniacs and for America, and King Kong Bundy will defend, uh, will be defeated. Jesse Ventura was awesome and said... Bad guys don't always finish first. That's true. Although, I don't... Like, this whole Hulk Hogan America thing is, like, kind of ridiculous. Oh, no. It, it gets better, dude. It gets so much better later on before the match. So we'll get into that. Because, holy shit. You you think it's good. You think it's bad now. Like, just, just fucking wait. Because it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, King Kong Bundy's, like, not from, like, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> he's from Alabama. No, I don't know where the fuck he's from. Uh, so now, the main event for the folks in the Nassau Coliseum: Mr. Yep. T versus Rowdy Piper in a boxing match, in a legit boxing match. Yeah, and honestly, uh, surprisingly enough, Rowdy Piper did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into it here. So, here's the beginning of more celebrities. Joan Rivers is introduced as the special guest ring announcer. Then they introduce the judges. Daryl Dawkins from the Nets. Ooh, yeah. We then get oh, Cab... Yeah, I, I have no idea who he was. Yeah, Cab Calloway. No idea. And G. Gordon Libby of Waterfall. Watergate fame. <laughs> and he got booed out of the building. Talk about just scraping the freaking... This is WrestleMania 2. Scraping the barrel. Oh, we need Jordan Key. Jordan... We need... Gordon G. Libby, damn it. Watergate. Took down a president. Officiate our match. The guest timekeeper. Simply known as Herb. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah. missed that. Yeah. This so there's won't... ten rounds of boxing. Because that's what wrestling fans want. I had flashbacks to the... I had flashbacks to Brawl for All. So round one. Mr. T with a quick rib shot that is quickly broken up and Rowdy clinches but throws several punches. Uh, on the break, he's admonished, which you'll hear a lot of. Uh, he just throws punches. They just both throw punches, a lot of breaks. A lot of both of them not even listening to the referee's instructions. And the bell rings for the first round. 
they refuse to even stop fighting after the round ends. Yeah. And then but round two. Well, uh, yeah. So, um, round two. This is great. There was a glob of salve all over Rowdy's face, which Ref cleans off by saying he has a ton of grease on him. Piper then starts landing punch after punch in succession on Piper, or on uh, T, excuse me. Piper gets T in the corner and then continues to pummel him over and over with hand jabs where T just covers up. T then goes down after several hits. Rowdy refuses to go to the corner and punches him with his foot, or pushes him with his foot. Mr. T gets out to the count of seven. The crowd begins chanting Rowdy, loudly, mind you. This is supposed to be the heel. Yes, but even back then, Rowdy Roddy oh, Piper yeah. was cool. Yep. Rowdy continues to pummel him, and the bell rings to single the end of the round, and T falls down, but gets up at the count of four. So I was kind of confused by that, because the bell rang for the end of the round, but Mr. T fell after the bell. They counted this as a knockdown. Yeah, um, I don't watch enough boxing to know what they would do. Well, you always hear the term, like, saved by the bell. Yeah, but usually they don't fall, like, with that. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, sorry, so, there's a dog barking. Yeah, whatever. It'll stop soon. <laughs> During the break, Bob Orton throws a bucket of water in the tea of Mr. Qu- and Mr. T in the corner. <laughs> So round three finally happens. T quickly gets the advantage and hits Piper with a huge left hand. And Piper falls slumped in the corner. But he gets up at the count of eight. T gets a few more punches. T then punches Piper into the corner. And then hits him with a huge right hand. And Piper falls out of the ring, actually. The ref starts in an actual boxing match. In an actual boxing match, probably Roddy Piper would have lost. Yeah, there. that's what I always saw, like the ring out rule. Yeah. The ref no. starts to count and gets in the ring at nine. Both men have been now knocked down twice. There's a lot of clinching, and both men look spent. This was a rough round three. Mm-hmm. But they make it through. During the break, Roddy Piper throws a stool. Like, you would be, like, banned from boxing for doing... He fucking just winds up and whips that thing. Oh, it was great. It came out of nowhere, too. So, round four. A huge right hand by Roddy Piper. And one by Mr. T. Now they're both just throwing single hand, single right hands. And Rowdy and T throw haymakers. Piper punches the ref down. And then body slams Mr. T. And everything. Disqualification. Yes. Everything just then breaks down. Where everyone is trying to break up both men, Mr. T wins by DQ. So, if you're counting with us, these guys only got three matches, and they didn't get any clean finish. No, they got four matches, and three of them. Oh, was it the ladies? Okay, the ladies' matches, main event? Uh, no, the main event was T. Piper, but yeah. Jake Roberts got a clean pin. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Sorry, I just remember all the shenanigans with 
with the snake. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're right. Sorry. I'm gonna throw this so quick. It's almost like you forget. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Uh, we then go to Chicago. Actually, sorry. What do you think of the boxing match? Um, it was okay, but boxing boxing is boxing among heavyweight people tends to be kind of boring. The lighter fighters tend to be more quick paced, more action. So uh, these guys are both considered heavyweights, and so they were gassed after two rounds. So yeah, yeah, it was got, bad. Got, got pretty slow. We then go to Chicago by the way of Gorilla Monsoon. Thank God I don't have to listen to Susan St. James anymore. Well, yes, but then you have to listen to Kathy Lee Crosby. Oh, God, yes. There is a battle royal dubbed football versus wrestling, but another giant commentator is... Another guest commentator is Kathy Lee Crosby. I wrote, damn. Yeah. So this is really interesting. There's a WWF Ladies Championship match. Velvet McIntyre versus Fabulous Moolah. Now, you may remember from WrestleMania 1, Layla, or, um, what was her face? Lakanti? Le- Lelani Kai. Lelani Kai, that's it. Came in, you know, got beat by Wendy Rector with, with, uh, what's her face? And she, and Wendy Rector won Cindy the title. Lopper. Cindy Lopper, thank yeah. you. And so there was a screw job. Oh finish so <laughs> the fabulous moolah i guess there was like a contract dispute or so, something i, I okay so yeah the, you know the story here you tell it okay so backstage scuttlebutt is that one fabulous moolah wanted her belt back one two wendy richter had a humongous ego about her and didn't treat the other lady stars very well. That's what I've always heard. So Vince McMahon and the fabulous Moolah decided that they would get her belt back. So the fabulous Moolah dressed up as the spider woman, which is basically she just wore all black and had like a face mask that had sparkly webs on it. And uh, legit pinned Wendy Richter <laughs> and uh, stole the belt back. <laughs> and Wendy Richter was kicked out of the company soon afterwards. Jesus Christ. So there you go. So Velvet McIntyre versus Fabulous Moolah. Yes. Moolah with a snapmare by the hair. But Velvet Over. keeps hitting one-footed drop kicks. This was awful. One-footed drop kicks. Okay, so there are two variations of the drop kick that most people use: the two-footed and the shotgun. The one-footed drop kick is used by some. Um, it, it's mostly used in Japan. Um, it's usually called the rider kick because it looks very similar to what the Japanese superhero Common Rider does. Ah. But but Velvet McIntyre did not do the move justice. No. <laughs> There was then a body slam and a missed splash by Velvet. And Moolah covers her for the win. And people are pissed. This went a minute 25. Yup. 
Good grief. We then move to a flag match. Okay, so let's actually talk about the finish real quick. Okay. I counted this as one of the matches that had a screw job finish. And they never mentioned it, but Velvet McIntyre's foot was on the bottom rope. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm okay with it because that match sucked. True. That match was awful. With Nikolai Volkov with Freddie Blassie versus Corporal Krushner. Yes. And I loved Freddie Blassie at WrestleMania 1 and hope he'd be just as entertaining. Nope. Um yeah, no, not near not nearly. Volkov sings the national anthem, but then it's cut Josh off. Thrown by, at him. Yes. He had heat. He's then cut off by Krushner's music, which sounds like a parade or marching music, I said. Like this this A, they clearly dubbed over it because it was way too loud. They had a similar issue um later on. And the music's just awful. But it's like <laughs> super generic, like happy go lucky parade music. Volkov yeah. throws Krushner out of the uh, out of the Throws out of into the post several times. I can fucking write. Yeah. <laughs> Throw him out of the ring and into the post several times. The referee is is killed by a backhand by the crusher. And Blassie tries to throw the cane, but Volkov, to Volkov, but Corporal Krushner intercepts it and hits him for the win. Fucking hell, yep. I, that was awful writing. My notes suck for this match. Essentially, Corporal Krushner kept getting thrown out and hitting, getting his head hit into the rope or into the post. And then out of nowhere, Freddie Blassie tries to throw his cane in all of last year. Where it worked, and uh, Krishner got it and hit him in the head and got the one, two, three. Yeah, uh, this match went two minutes, two five minutes, seconds, five seconds. Good fucking grief! <laughs> so, the entire portion of the uh, Chicago has gone a total of less than four minutes, <laughs> less than four minutes, minutes of wrestling. Uh, okay do you want to do the battle I got notes up the wazoo for this battle royal but it's not super extensive it's just yeah I mean there were a a bunch of football players Um, really the only football player that anybody really needs to know about in this match is the refrigerator uh, yeah William Perry we'll be seeing him in like a couple weeks. Yeah. So, essentially, uh, I pretty much skipped to the end. I mean, I watched it, but there's just so much going on, and a lot of, it's, a lot of it didn't freaking matter. Uh, basically, the match started. Everyone ganged up on William the Refrigerator Perry. Uh, I didn't even know Bret Hart was in the WWF at this time, along with Jim Neidhart. Yeah, the Hart Foundation had yeah, just started. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um... John Studd throws a William Perry over the top rope, and then uh, he asks for a handshake, and he pulls John Studd out, which apparently counts. It does. Apparently, when you're not when you're eliminated from the match, you can still eliminate people. Well, so, obviously, yeah. the Royal Rumble is a thing. Yeah, Rob. I guess. 
The final four are Andre the Giant and the Heart Foundation and Wild Russ Francis. I never heard of that guy. No, me neither. Uh, so Francis gets eliminated. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, Heart Foundation with a double dropkick to Andre, which ties him up in the ropes. Uh, it's now down to Andre and the Heart Foundation as the last three. Brett and Jim gang up on Andre, but Andre fights back with a double head knocker and hits a big boot to uh, Anvil, which then... And, Andrew, and Anvil sold this thing like he got shot out of a cannon. Uh, he then picks up Brett and throws him over the top rope onto, John, onto Jim Anvil for the win. Andre Giant's your winner. Yeah, I mean... Okay, so the thing with Andre the Giant is he never lost a battle royal that he was in. Yep. So as soon as he was announced for that match, everybody should have known who would have won that. <laughs> yep. And that, and man, he, I was surprised he did the big boot. But yeah, you could already tell he was not hurt, you know, not, not doing great. Yeah, and this was around the time that he started um, to do more acting and things away from wrestling. Like he was, uh, I think he was in the princess bride not long after this. So, well, there you go. So we then throw to Vince and Susan, uh, throw to New York with Rowdy Piper. Vince says that his behavior was bad. Uh, Rowdy says that Mr. T is a cheater and they replay is shown that Rowdy had shoved the referee Rowdy was then all over the place in his promo. I didn't even write down anything he said because, good God, he was just just yelling. To be fair, he was probably high. I, I kind of figured. And then, uh, I think they screwed up the order of the promos here. They interviewed Jimbo, whoever, and saying that he was cheated, and the Iron Sheik says that he's going to win the Battle Royal, which has already happened. Well, the Iron Sheik probably didn't know what was happening either. I was like, what is going on? Like, do they hit the, you know, put the wrong tape in or something? I was like, oh, good grief. So, uh, this match was uh, interesting. This ha match had two officials. It was manager Johnny Valiant, Greg the Hammer Valentine with Brutus Beefcake, or as I like now, now I hear, Brutai. From Brother Brutai. Brother Brutai. Versus the British Bulldogs with Ozzy Osbourne and Lou Albano, which consisted of Dynamite Kid and Davey Boy Smith. Yes. And this is the first Dynamite Kid match I've ever seen. Holy really? shit. Yeah. Okay. So this probably is not the best representation of the Dynamite Kid match. No, but still, I could see... A lot of, I could see why people like Chris Benoit idolize this guy because he was doing things like that wouldn't come commonplace for another ten years. Definitely, definitely. Or that is probably five, five, six. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you know he was, you know, like the I don't know, I don't. Know. Anyway, so they even ask. <laughs> this is great. Uh, Crosby, whatever the fuck her name is. She's like, why, why is Ozzy Osbourne there? And they just say, well, he's from England, too. 
Yeah. So I was looking up a little bit about Ozzy Osbourne for just to see kind of what he was doing at the time. And he this was at, at the point where he had left Black Sabbath for like the first time. So he was bandless and touring America and probably needed money. Gotcha. Because he did nothing. I thought this was the biggest waste. Like, I hope they gave this guy, like, here's 20 bucks and a Big Mac. Come on. You know Vince McMahon. Oh, I know. But still, like, this was, like, the worst. Like, literally nothing occurred. But essentially we're told that there's two referees, so nothing can happen anywhere. And keep it down the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see how this works. Dave well, Boy Smith and Greg... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you what you thought of the physiques of Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. Did you notice anything? Uh, they are pretty jacked. But not as jacked as they would become, but they look pretty well, good. Davey Boy, yeah. Davy Boy would get bigger. Oh, but yeah. Dynamite Kid... Um, Dynamite Kid's stories is kind of like a little bit of a tragic one. Uh, <laughs> like very. Not, yeah. He's not in the WWF for much longer after this. Really? Like, yeah. I mean, by by the, the 90s, he's gone. Gotcha. So, got a couple more years with him. Right. Steve Boy Smith and Greg Valentine start the match off. Valentine hits a double dug takedown. But Davey Boy gets up and gets in a wrist lock to a whip by Valentine. To an arm drag, so it was... Oh, man, it was fast-paced. Tag Dynamite Kid with a... Uh, with a two-count after a head to the turnbuckle spot. Dynamite Kid then moves very quickly, and then another tag to Davy Boy, and a huge suplex for a quick two. The match then slows way down because Johnny Valiant slides out of the ring and eventually gets back in. Like, he just slides out. He's like, I'm going to walk around here for a while. Valiant then hits a knee lift, and then Bruce the Beefcake is finally tagged in and continues to work over the Dynamite Kid. Uh, he then get, applies a long wrist lock. Uh, the Dynamite Kid hits a press slam to... Oops. Uh, no, that did not happen. Uh, <laughs> someone hit a press slam to Davy Boy. I wrote Dynamite Kid hit a press slam to Davy Boy. That... That did not happen. (laughs) Uh, Dave Boy then who tags out to Dynamite. The Dynamite then hits a cradle suplex into a bridge for a quick two on Brutus. A blind tag by Valentine who who comes off the top rope with a double axe handle for a two. Dynamite then gets a blind tag off a bulldog. Then rains down a hammer blows on Valentine. A double shoulder tackle by the bulldogs. Uh, Valentine then hits a delayed pile driver. This looked pretty cool. Yeah. For a two and three quarters on Dynamite Kid. Then Valentine climbs up to the top rope and gets slammed by Dynamite uh, off the uh, off, his, off the top rope. And then all four men are in the ring, and then the match just kind of breaks down. David Boy hits a power slam on Valentine, who gets a two count, almost a three. Eventually... Hammer and Beefcake cut off the ring and beat the hell out of the Dynamite Kid. Uh, and the Hammer hits a sho- uh, shoulder breaker, uh, but does a lazy pin, and he pulls up Dynamite Kid off the mat. 
instead of getting the three count, which was kind of odd, uh, Bulldog gets to the top rope, and the hammers and ran headfirst into the Dynamite Kid, which allows Bulldog to get the pinfall and a new tag team champions, the British Bulldogs. Yeah. Okay, so there were a couple of spots in there that like looked pretty cool, like that delayed pile driver. I also was a I've always been a big fan of the shoulder breaker, even yeah. though it, it looks I I know why it's not done anymore because it's like there's very little room for effort, or else if you drop somebody, you're just going to drop them straight on their head. Yeah. Uh, but the finish, you know, relatively clean. <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of. I had to go back and rewatch it because I was like, "What in the heck just happened?" It was a really yeah. weird. It was a really a weird. Confusing, uh, but uh, no outside interference this time. Yeah. So they sold this thing like the bulldogs, the under, the 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 most underdog, you know, unlikely champions have beaten, you know, Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Well, you have to remember, at this point, Greg Valentine has been Intercontinental Champion, and he's been Tag Team Champion. So, Greg Valentine was like a big deal. Yep. And Brutus Beefcake, well, he's Brutus Beefcake. He's He's big. After the match, Mean Gene uh, is with Davey Boy and says that they are going to stay in the United... That they are going to stay in the United States because they are now the Tag Team Champion. So, apparently... um, their visas were on the line too, unbeknownst to us. Yeah, I guess. Or maybe they just <laughs> go back to Canada. Exactly. Uh, they say a dynamite kid fell off the top rope and hit his head on the concrete. And basically, he's dead. He's died. He died. He can't talk. He's. He's. They, they. Don't tell me they didn't know about concussions back then. <laughs> no, they did know about concussions. They just didn't know how serious they were. There you go. We uh, finally make it to L.A., where Lord Alfred Hayes and Elmira. Elvira. Elvira? Oh, it's Vira? Yeah, it's Elvira. Elmira is the is the little girl from Tiny Toon Adventures and oh. Picky in the Brain. <laughs> the crowd is booing so loud that we can't even hear what Lord Alfred Hayes is saying. Well, do we really want to hear what Lord Alfred Hayes is saying? No, not, not, not particularly. Next, we have Hercules Hernandez versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yes. I had no idea who Hercules was, other than what I know him for in the future against The Undertaker. I didn't know how long uh, this guy had been in the WWF. It was crazy. Hercules Hernandez had a match with The Undertaker? Didn't he have the painted on? Oh, no, that was the... That's Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, I'm getting people mixed up now. Never mind. No. Hercules Hernandez is best known for having a tag team with Paul Roma in a few years. Oh, well, we'll get to that. Hercules quickly attacks Steamboat before the bell. Steamboat quickly ducks under and hits several arm drags to take control of the match. There's just some chain wrestling. Yeah, oh, those arm drags by Steamboat are always awesome to yes, look at. they were awesome. There's then some chain wrestling by both Hercules and Steamboat, which I was very surprised by. Uh, there's some flips with some attempted backdrops, but Steam takes Hercules back down into an arm bar, and then Steamboat continues working the left arm of Hercules. Steamboat whips Hercules and hits several leapfrogs, like several, there's like four. Mm-hmm. 
And then finally a suplex. So far the match has been all Ricky Steamboat. Hercules, Hercules then runs his head. Uh, uh, the head of Steamboat into the turnbuckle. And then he hits a big clothesline. And several knees to, his down, to a downed Steamboat. Uh, there's a stun gun performed. Which later becomes Steve Austin's finisher. Yes. Hercules hits some kind of slam. I don't even know what this was. The ref was in the way, and some odd camera angle and a quick two. It was really weird. Botch slam. Yeah, it was something. Uh, now Hercules takes control of the match. Hercules hits several elbow drops to, a ste- to Steamboat for a quick two. Steamboat goes for a discus punch, but Hercules ducks and hits a clothesline. Multiple body slams by Hercules wearing out Steamboat. Hercules then climbs the top rope and tries for a splash, but Steamboat gets his knees up. Steamboat then climbs the top rope and hits a flying cross body block for the win, identically to what happened at WrestleMania 1. Sadly, there was not called a flying burrito. Well, that is Tito Santana with his flying burrito. Yes. But... Um, I'm, I mean, there's only so many ways that you can set up the flying crossbody, which is R- Ricky Steamboat's finishing maneuver. So I'm not too upset with the same finish, basically. Yeah. No, I liked it. It went seven, uh, seven, About seven and a half minutes. Yeah. And, uh, I really liked it. I was really impressed by Hercules. I was, you know, obviously Ricky Dragon was always, always good. Um, I was, I really enjoyed the match. Yeah, I think this is probably the best match that anybody's ever gotten out of Hercules Hernandez. Um, because I believe I I think I've seen a match with him in the Ultimate Warrior somewhere, and it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, so we then move to Adrian Adonis versus Uncle Elmer. I didn't yeah. know who any of these two were. Yeah, Uncle Elmer is somebody that I'm still not super familiar with. Um, but I thought maybe he was the father of Hillbilly Jim. No, because Hillbilly something. Jim was in the Rumble. Oh. Well, Jimmy Hart accompanies adorable Adrian Adonis. Yes. Uncle Elmer gets Hillbilly Jamboree music, which is again just dubbed over and really freaking loud. Um, Adrian Adonis looks like a cross dresser. Uh, I thought maybe this was the first sight bisexual character. You know, he's gay not, panic he's or something. Not, he's not the first, but he's he's one of the early pioneers. I guess if you want to be uh, like a wrestling snob about it, the first bisexual character or like gay-ish character would have been Gorgeous George. Yeah, but I mean, he did it where it was like, oh, you're so lucky, you know. I'm here because you know, aren't you people lucky I'm here? Yeah, I guess he could play up his fe- he played up his feminism side, but man, this guy was like, yeah, he's very much early gold dust. Yeah, uh, I said I was very confused. Everyone is scared of Uncle Elmer. Uh, well, have you seen him? He's rather yeah, scary looking. He is. Adrian Adonis, uh, I already wrote that. Um, basically, Uncle Elmer just hits a bunch of power moves to uh, 
or sorry, Adrian uh, to Adonis, and then he begins throwing Adonis around, uh, and with like ease, like and even Adonis isn't this. He's a pretty good sized guy himself. Uh, he basically sells though like he's been killed. Like I loved Adonis' selling. Like he took these moves like a freaking champ, and he over he just sold the hell out of this. Like he took a punch and it's like he flew back four five feet. Like it was ridiculous. Uh, eventually Adonis is thrown out of the ring. Elmo rips off the dress of Adonis because he came out of the ring in a dress. Because why not? He then brings him back in the ring. He is then caught up in the ropes and eventually gets loose with help from Jimmy Hart. I think that was a botch. Out of nowhere, uh, out of the blue, Elmer then gets taken down by Adonis and he takes the remaining threads of the dress and chokes him out. And then he gets a, run, a big running splash into the corner and tries for a running leg drop. Uh, but misses. Adonis hits a flying headbutt to Uncle, Uncle Elmer for the pin. Yep. I don't even know what the fuck this was. Like, this was like a crazy match. Like, I don't know any of that. I mean, I thought for sure, just based on all the selling, Uncle Elmer was going to get the win. I thought this was like, Adonis was just going to get fed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... Adrian Adonis was a name, like people would have known him from other places. Whereas Uncle Elmer, not so much. Yeah, it was an interesting match. I'll say that much. Uh, Alfred Hayes is backstage with Hulk Hogan, who hypes up his match with King Kong Bundy. Nothing of importance is really said. Next, we had the Funk Brothers versus Tito Santana and Junkyard Dog. Yes, Ariba, Tito Santana, our good old friend. Yes, Ariba. Ariba. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Haas bro- or the Funk Brothers. I almost called them the Haas Brothers. The Haas Brothers. <laughs> um, so Dory, or as he was called here, Haas Funk and <laughs> Terry Funk, um, mainstays of the territory days. Dory Funk is actually a former NWA world champion who held the belt for four years. And then Terry held the belt for like a year. And they were huge in Japan. Terry was very big in Japan. Yes. Uh, Dory less so, but yeah. And then Terry Funk would go on to retire and then come back and retire and come back. And Oh yeah. Uh, He's still retiring uh, to this day. Yes. Actually. So, uh, Dory and Terry just had a match in Japan, and Dory is, like, pushing 80. Good God. <laughs> so, Jimmy Hart was out with a Dory, adorable Adrian. He is back out already with the Funk Brothers. Yeah, I mean, there were only a few managers that were... I was surprised about the lack of managers, because I, I think of this time as a time of... Like, there's, like, a million managers. Yeah, you think about it, and there's really not. But there really wasn't all that many. No, there was... I mean, like, Jimmy Hart, Bobby the Brain. Yep. And, uh... Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji, yep. And, and Freddie Blassie. And Freddie Blassie, yeah. 
Oh, um, and, and I guess he yeah, also there was a little too. Yeah, but. see, and him. Uh, yeah. Terry Funk throws steel chairs into the ring. Of course, Terry Funk throws steel yeah, chairs. Yeah, exactly. The ring. It's, it's Terry Funk. Exactly. Um, I think, yeah, um, this is off of, this is like either just after or just before Terry Funk has this amazing um, feud with the Ric Flair in the, in the NWA where he pile drives Ric Flair directly through a table. So, like, it's either just before this or just after this that gotcha. that happens. Gotcha. Well, cool. Uh, JYD slams both brothers and knocks him out of the ring. Oh, it was really confusing to I meant to say, you know, it's really confusing. In this match, Terry Funk and Tito Santana have the same color ring trunks. Yeah. It was so annoying. Um, JYD takes Terry Funk's head and slams into the turnbuckles several times. As he's wont to do. Exactly. Um, this match is crazy. Uh, and fast-paced, even. Haas hits several forearms to Tito, but Tito escapes with a long... Uh, with a, oh, sorry, with a leapfrog. Terry then throws Tito out. Jimmy Hart gets some kicks in for good measure. Uh, Arriba. Exactly. But then runs away when JYD comes over. JY, uh, Jimmy Hart's on his megaphone. Elvira then asks to ask Jimmy Hart... Uh, Elvira asks to have Jimmy Hart removed. And Jesse says that he's helping out with the commentary. <laughs> Terry hits a suplex for a two. Terry then... Uh, thinks it's a slow count and tries for another suplex, but Tito is able to reverse it. Elvira is then concerned about the trunk ripping from the suplexes. So it was really interesting. He grabbed both sides of his trunks and didn't give him a wedgie, but like pretty much lifted them up via his trunks rather than, you know, how you normally see where you grab one side of the trunk, but then you help them up. And they kind of jump with you. It was really interesting. And she was excited to see some fl- some nudity. Like, Jesse was like, oh, you'd be so, we'd, we'd really like this if something came on. She's like, oh, yeah. Great. Well, it is Elvira who. <laughs> she then says, there? exactly. She then says she likes the tall, dark, and handsome guys. And Jesse says she can't show any bias while on the commentary table. Which yes, <laughs> which, was, guess, which will come into play later. Haas hit several punches, keeping Tito down, and then a tag to Terry, which allows Tito to get back to his feet. But Terry, with his own punches, takes Tito back down. Junkyard Dog is finally tagged in and hits a headcracker on both funks, and JYD uh, got... Sorry, my thing just went all crazy. JYD then hits a big clothesline and knocks Haas Funk from the ring. JYD hits a backdrop over the top rope to Terry Funk, which move, which then breaks down the match to the outside. Uh, Terry gets slammed into a table, which doesn't break, but eventually JYD and Terry get back in the ring. I was really surprised by that. You were seeing plunder. 
Yeah, well, it is it is a Terry Funk match. I don't think I he figured, can do a match. But it's I don't so think funny he can do be- a match without that. Well, it's so funny because you don't see this type of stuff in that '80s, in the '80s, you know, stuff like. Even then, you don't think like, oh, there's no hardcore matches. No, they've done like tons of stuff. Just we, the audience, had never you know been exposed to that stuff. It felt really yeah. different with ter- with the ter- uh, Terry and uh, Dory coming in. Like it just, it felt like a completely different match compared to everything else. Yeah, well, I mean, this is. <clears throat> there are still sort of territories in 1986. Oh like, yeah. Like WCW was still around, WCCW was still around, and AWA was still around. So like there was places for people to go, and so they had really different match styles. Yeah. And Terry and and Dory are you know from Texas, so like the Texas styles a lot more gritty. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I really like that. I was Uh, just upset that we didn't get to see the Terry Funk moonsault. Yes. I want to see the Terry Funk moonsault. Did he do it back then? Probably not. He probably didn't do that until he was in his 50s. <laughs> crazy man. Jimmy Hart then gets on the apron, which allows J, uh, JYD to get a punch on him. Steamboat then gets a figure four on yeah, Haas. But ne- Wait, Jimmy Hart. Oh, yeah. Fucking yeah, Steamboat just randomly showed up. No, Steamboat. Oh, yeah, okay. It was really freaking weird. Terry has some uh, something in his tights, but so here's what I thought would happen. And I had to re rewrote it on the. Re- I thought Terry had something in his tights that he took out and hit. Uh, that he you know took out and hit his opponent with, and they got the win. No. What it turned out to be, again, this is this was so so, so fast paced. Jimmy Hart threw the megaphone. Terry caught it, and he clocked JYD and got the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this match was crazy. It felt different than any other tag match that we've seen so far on WrestleMania 2. And this match Damn. was very chaotic. And it seemed very much a style of early hardcore or something along those lines. Yeah, definitely. And also, it had time to they had time to work, which was awesome. As yeah, well. definitely. Because this is another show where a lot of the matches are sub-10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, very true. The chants began chanting bullshit for the ending of the match. Well, JYD, <laughs> as we've discussed last last time, is like a super popular babyface wrestler. Yep. And, and so, not surprising. Very true. So, now they're getting ready for the main event. The cage is being erected by by geeks. The cage is the steel bars uh, in blue. The one where, you know, everyone probably knows by now. Yeah, the non-steel cage steals the cage. (laughs) Yep. So, a promo package is played to show how uh, the match happened. Hulk Hogan was defending his title on uh, Saturday night's main event. And King Kong Bungie, Bundy interfered and attacked Hogan. King Kong hit several uh, avalanche splashes. Don Morocco even helped beat him down. Uh, Hogan, that is. Yes. Bundy then hit a fifth avalanche splash and a sixth 
to the back of a defenseless Hulk Hogan. So now he has busted up ribs. Hillbilly Jim and Dr. Bob Potovich right now at the side of the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, as he prepares for his big title defense against King Kong Bundy. Dr. Potovich, if I can prevail upon you, sir, first of all, we have discussed the physical condition of Hulk Hogan. As I understand it, you've advised the man not to go ahead with this title defense. Yes, that's correct. I have advised him not to participate in WrestleMania. What are the risks specifically, doctor? Well, I worry about the possibility of a disc problem in his back, maybe per perhaps a herniated disc in his low back. Would that, would that result perhaps in permanent injury? It could result in permanent injury and also surgery. All right, Hulk Hogan, you're driving yourself. Apparently, you've made the decision to go forth with this title defense against King Kong Bundy. Well, you know something, Mean Gene? Just because I get sick, brother, I don't get called and tired for the job, man. I'm the world. Oh, Dr. Bob, a little lower, man. Wait a minute, Hulk, you're not still experiencing pain back there. Well, five and a half weeks, brother, I've been living this thing, man, after that slow rolling ride in that coffin, man, the ambulance. And I made a decision then, even though Dr. Bob Ponovich said, Hulkster, you're in no condition to do it, I have a commitment to all those Hulkamaniacs out there to defend this world title. We've been training for five and a half weeks, stiff-legged deadlifts to warm up. Dr. Bob, let's go for those heavy chins, brother, just to find out where let's it's at. All right, Hulk, I'm going to ask you to explain as we go over here just exactly what is a heavy chin. That, that... Well, Mean Gene, when you see this 100-pound dumbbell strapped around my neck, brother, you'll realize King Kong Bundy and heavy chins, there's no explanation. King Kong Bundy's going down, the chins are going up, brother. Wait, wait a minute now. Hulk Hogan at 310, 312 pounds with another 100 pounds. You're going to do chin-ups? I don't know, man. He can do it. This is for King Kong Bundy. A 500-pound man. That's it. All right. Looking good. I can't believe it. Looking good, brother. All right. Dr. Bob, is, is he putting too much strain on that lower back? He's looking awfully strong at this time right now. Over 400 pounds. Concentrate. Come on, come on, Hulk. Nobody, Jim, you as an athlete know about this. That's a strong man right there. King Kong Hulk, Bundy's enough is enough. You're proving your point. I'll do a thousand, brother, to beat King Kong Bundy. Hulk, please, please, you have proven your point. Help him if you could there, Hillbilly Jim. I'm all right, brother. I'm all right. All right. Hulk, this is it. It's King Kong Bundy and yourself in a steel cage as part of WrestleMania. Well, you know, brother, this is what it's all about. A winner and a loser. No way in, no way out. Five and a half weeks, brother. Five and a half weeks I've been living the pain. Now I feel no pain. I fear no man. Bundy, you're mine in the steel cage. This is Jesse the Body Ventura coming at you with WrestleMania 2 right out of Los Angeles. Bobby the Brain Heenan, got to be the biggest day of your life. This is the biggest day of my life, and I'm the most proudest man walking the face of this earth. Because in some very short time right now, I am going to be the man that's going to be packing the gold. That's right, I'm going to be packing the world championship belt in this man's luggage. Because this is the new heavyweight champion of the world, King Kong Bundy. Now, King Kong, I'm worried. You know, I'm the man who tells it like it is, Bundy. And I'm worried that's a cage match. Your beautiful face is on the line in there. Well, just worry no more, because your fears are totally unfounded, you know? It's been proven by historical fact that every time King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan get in a ring together, that it's Hulk Hogan that winds up laying there helpless like a fish out of water. And it's Hulk Hogan that winds up being carted off to the hospital. And tonight ain't going to be no different, Hogan. 
Fire up the ambulances, get them ready to go, because Hogan's going to the hospital again. And like the man said, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the greatest modern professional sports, I'm going to be the next heavyweight champion of the world. It doesn't matter who likes it. Hulk Hogan doesn't have to like it. The man's going down. You know, it's like we said, the Heenan family, you don't mess with us. That's right. Bobby the Brain, King Kong Bundy, we're the next heavyweight champions of the world. We're the dominant force in professional wrestling, right, Bobby? You know, the doctors in Phoenix put Hulk back together again. Well, I don't know if he's back together 100%, but the doctors here in L.A. are going to have their hands full because he's going to be put in different pieces because there's going to be a brand new heavyweight champion, and his name is Bundy. Get used to it. King Kong Bundy. No more Hulkamania. No more Hulk this, Hulk that. It's Bundy mania from now on. The world's biggest and strongest, toughest champion the world professional wrestling has ever had, and it's my privilege to manage that gentleman. Well, I got to tell you this. The man who tells it like it is, I believe Bundy's ready. I believe, Hogan, you're in for the fight of your life. Jeff, we're going to turn this town on its ear tonight, Daddy. When I walk out of that cage and see Hogan laying there, L.A., look out. Beverly Hills, let's go. Come on. Sounds good to me. Hi, I'm... The doctor stated that Hogan shouldn't do the match, but he's worried about a hernia... And he's, herni- he's worried about a herniated disc, which could, in his, in his quotes could cause permanent injury and surgery, but yet he is lifting weights. So this is yeah. this is a crazy promo. Let me, break, let me break this down for you. Hogan then puts a 100-pound dumbbell around his neck and does chin-ups in front of the doctor. Hulk Hogan says he'll do a 1,000 of them to beat King Kong Bundy. We then go to Jesse Ventura with Bobby the Brain Heenan and King Kong Bundy. And this time, Brain gets to talk. Unlike last year. King Kong Bundy says that each time Hogan and Bundy are in the ring, Hogan is the one uh, ending up in the hospital and says that the next heavyweight champion, uh, Brain says that Hulkmania is going down and it will be Bundy Mania. And Jesse Ventura is on the side of Bundy. Vince and St. James are thrown back to the match. They're stalling. I think this freaked Literally, I think the cage took longer. But, so... Okay, so... I wish I went further. I wish I wrote more notes down for that Hogan promo. Because, holy God, that was insane. Well, I mean, okay. So, Hulk Hogan... Um... All of his promos are insane. That I is mean, true. I, I mean, honestly, you know, now listen here, brother, I'm going to, you know, do this. He and- literally takes a belt and, like, wears it like a necklace. Meanwhile, the doctor who is like, Hulk, you shouldn't do this. This could lead to a herniated disc and you can need surgery. He's like, nah, brother. Puts a thing on. He starts doing push-ups. And he's like, one. Two, and then like you can see, barely does three, and then they're like, "No, Hulk, don't do any more." He's like, "No, do I need to do a thousand It's like, yeah. "What is going on?" And like Hulk Hogan is so swollen at this point, and drenched <laughs> in sweat. Yeah, I know. Like, good God, he's so huge. Like steroids, man. I'm on the Juice Brother. Yep. All right. It's on the gas. It's time for the main event of WrestleMania 2. The cage has been uh, reinstated. So, 
they had to reinforce the cage. Uh, they said Jesse Ventura says normally cyclone fencing is used. Uh, the guest ring. So you get more fucking uh, more more for more freaking A uh, C D list celebrities. Yeah. Uh, ring announcer Tommy Lasorda. He then announces the officials, the timekeeper, a brilliant young actor, Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. Not familiar. Same here. The referee is Robert Conrad. Okay. Okay. The rules are the over the top or out the door. King on Bundy is introduced first. Hogan then comes out to a large response and climbs the cage and rips off his shirt. Well, you have to do that. Exactly. The bell rings. Both men square off and eventually lock up. And it breaks down into throwing right hands. Hogan hits several chops and quickly hits a big boot on Bundy. But Bundy never falls. Uh, Bundy quickly tries to go out the door, but Hogan stops it. Hogan continues hitting chops into Bundy. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting, to this match, because uh, usually... Hulk Hogan just does power moves and things like that, but he couldn't. He, Bundy, even though he's shorter than Hulk Hogan, um, has to play the big man role. Yep. So it, it's it's interesting to see that Hulk Hogan really doesn't have a strategy for not being the big man in the match. <laughs> just just chops. He just does. He just does chops. Not Ric Flair chops, no, mind just, you. Just chops. Just chops. Hogan then runs Bundy's head into the cage, but Bundy's able to hit Hogan into the ca- in the ribs and then takes over. He repeatedly works over the ribs with kicks and then a body slam. Bundy tries to go through the door but get- and gets halfway out, but Hogan grabs the leg to keep him in. Hogan is then slapped into the cage, and once again, Bundy tries again, but Hogan uh, holds the leg to keep him in once again. Jesse reminds us that both feet need to touch the floor. Bundy then undoes the bandages around Hogan's ribs, but Jovira says he's taking off his clothes. And then he went, oh, I mean his belt. Bundy then chokes Hogan with the bandages. Um, Bundy then, okay, once again... So let me ahead. ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Wouldn't... Using the bandages count as using a weapon. Yeah, but it's a steel cage match. Steel cage matches are no DQ. Since when? Since always. Not always. I thought they were always non DQ. No. Well, either way, they're letting it go. They're letting okay. them fight. It's the main event. <laughs> what a shitty way. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Done. Yep. Um. Bundy once again tries to get out, but Hogan keeps him in. Hogan then Irish whips Bundy into the bars, head first. Rather than trying to get out of the cage, Hogan decides to continue attacking. Bundy is now busted open from the cage bars, and Elvira is freaking out about being grossed out. Hogan repeatedly slams Bundy into the cage. Her, of all people, would be like, oh yeah, blood. No, she was grossed out. This is interesting. Hogan then uses Bundy to get out of the cage, or to get on the cage, and then starts choking him on the top rope. So, like, 
he jumps him on the back of Bundy, and then Bundy's like draped over the top rope. So he's just choking him. This is really interesting. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, Hogan was never afraid of using heel-like tactics. Like, even as a babyface, like, he'd be, like, scratch-raking the back and poking (laughs) people in the eye and doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, this is one of them. He then gets down rather than trying to climb out. Hogan then tries to body slam Bundy, but he's too heavy, and Bundy falls on top of Hogan. Bundy tries to escape again, but he grabs uh, the tape and chokes Bundy with it. Uh, Elvira admonishes Jesse for favoring Bundy. And then Bundy hits a big frog splash onto Hogan. Bundy rolls towards the door and is half out, but Hogan grabs the legs of Bundy and pulls him back in the ring. Bundy hits another avalanche, but Hogan no-sells it. Hogan then Irish whips Bundy into the corner, and then his uh, using his momentum, scoop slams Bundy and hits a leg drop. Yeah, well, you have to Hulk up before you can do your big power. Yep. Hogan begins to climb the uh, ropes, but then uh, Bundy gets up and climbs to the top rope. Hogan pushes him off. Hogan climbs over the cage. Bundy crawls towards the door, but Hogan is able to drop down to the floor before Bundy uh, even makes it to the door to even get it open. Heenan then gets in the cage and goes after... Uh, Heenan then goes after the cage. Um, Alfred Hayes says that this is payback for Hogan, all the trouble caused by Bobby Heenan. So, uh, oh, sorry, Hogan went after Bobby. Uh, he hits a delayed atomic drop, um, and then uh, Heenan gets driven face first into the bars. Hogan then just declared the winner. Yep, he retains his WWF championship. Yep. And, like, Hogan... Wait, was Hogan... this for the title? Yeah, this was for the title. Man, I didn't even know it. Yeah, um, King Kong Bundy went from being introduced the last WrestleMania to being in the main event at next WrestleMania, so good on him. Yep. Um, Hogan was champion for, like, this is, like, his third year as champion. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Hogan then poses. Elvira says that Jesse Ventura probably isn't happy, and that he says that someday you'll have to face him. And Elvira says that she will go out with Jesse Ventura if he wins their match. Hmm. Well, that's good motivation. There you go. Jesse Ventura then calls Hogan an egomaniac because all he's doing is posing without using the other freaking belts. That's why I was surprised it was even a title match because it's like the belt's not even there. And you'll know, never see, in, in the best part is, he calls him a maniac, an egomaniac, and Jesse's like, you'll never see me doing that. Hogan then just continues to pose, uh, as Jesse thanks us for watching. We then shoot to Vince and Susan, who also thanks us for watching, and hopes we enjoyed WrestleMania 2, and go off the air. Yep. Good God, what a card. I told you this was not a good That show. first half. Sucked. I had no clue what I was getting into because holy crap. Like, 
the Ray Charles stuff, and then the friggin' ending of the first match, and then just screwed up finish after finish after finish of just wackiness. Like, who wants to pay for this? People who love Hulk Hogan. Apparently. Um, so what was your favorite match of the night? Favorite match of the night probably is between the Battle Royal or the British Bulldogs versus the Dream Team. Really? Yeah. I really liked the Terry Funk uh, match. I mean, I really like Terry Funk, too, but if I had to pick I just, I liked it because it was just so different. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I I also thought the Davey Boy Smith, the Bulldogs versus the Dream Team were really good. Um, I just felt like they could have probably gotten a few more minutes and, you know, maybe, maybe got a clean finish. Maybe, but I mean it was clean. But I mean, like, it yeah, just it was a weird finish. finish. Yeah. So, um, I I I really liked the Terry Funk one though, uh, just because it just it felt so different and just so more chaotic. Like, you don't know what's gonna happen. It was certainly more modern than a lot of the other on the card. Yeah, very very true. Who was your wrestler of the night? <sighs> wrestler of the night. Oh, let's give it to Hulk Hogan. He needs he needs props. There you go. I liked Adrian Adonis. That guy had heat. These people hated him. Coming out in his dress, in his mirror. Yep. I loved well, it. Gay panic. Oh yeah. What was the worst match of the night? Ooh, um, it's definitely between Paul Orndorff and Morocco or the Fabulous Moolah and Velvet McIntyre. Really? You're not even thinking of the Macho Man, George Animal Steel match? No, I'm not. That had a story behind it. Ah, My opinion, a pretty flimsy story. But okay, fair enough. Um... I mean, I look at, like, saying in the women's match, that doesn't even seem fair. It did suck, though. Um, I'd probably say the Macho Man, just because of how good he is. I just feel like he was just so misused here. Like, he had no opportunity to shine. Like, not even to, like, show off his abilities. Well... Okay, but he kept his Intercontinental Championship. True. Um, So he's still going to be high up on the card. Very true. And WrestleMania 3 has an exciting match with him that I've probably never heard about. You know, no one's ever heard about. Yeah, no, nobody's ever, nobody remembers that match. Never. Never. So, um, I also got to say, like, a good shout out to Hercules Hernandez. Um, You know... Uh, I think he did a really good job with Dra- uh, Ricky Dragon. I think it's the opposite. <laughs> I think Ricky Dra- the Dragon did really good with him. That is true. That is true. But, okay, he made me believe then that, that Hercules is a good wrestler. Hercules hold his own. All right, what would you rate the event? Out of- a two. A two. <sighs> 
I want to give it a three and a half. No. And again, this is out of five, correct? I thought it was a out of ten. Ten? Okay, fair enough. Out of ten. We got to keep our ranking system uh, intact here. Yes. Yeah, I'd say probably a three out of... What if it's out of ten? Well, then... Because I really I like the... I, there were a couple matches here I liked. I would give freaking the first... Outside of the boxing match, man, I'd give this thing a freaking one for that main. If it was just the freaking first hour, uh, yeah, I'd say a four. I'll say a four. I'm still sticking with my two out of ten. Hey, fair enough. All right. Well, I continue to rate them slightly better. Slightly better. <laughs> Next, we've got WrestleMania three. From the Silver Dome, which was recently destroyed. Oh, it's not the Superdome? Oh, sorry. No, it's not the Superdome. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, we have that to look forward to. Yes. Do you have any final remarks about WrestleMania 2? I'm glad they never did the three venue thing ever again. Yeah, and I'm... Man, I just can't. I mean, there's always been a lot of celebrities around WrestleMania, but this year, good grief. It's like they just went to the well. Like, I don't need a guest color commentator. Like, they don't add anything. Give me Jesse and Gore and Monsoon and hell, even Vince. Well, I think the re- well the reason they had all those guest commentators was because they had to split the team up over the three. No, of course. So I I get it why they did it, but still, it's just like good God, calm down with the celebrities. I don't need, you know. It's kind of funny because like none of them made any slight difference. There was no, no wacky officiating, and the two men, you know, and the two referee one. You know, neither one had to get involved. You know, nowadays it'd be like, oh, the person on the outside would call it one way and nothing. Like, these stipulations that they added to the matches meant nothing outside of the boxing match. Yes, because they had to actually do a boxing match. <laughs> yes. But, like, even the flag match was like nothing. Yeah, I'm. Flag matches ne- have never had consistent rules within the WWE. Sometimes you have to put a flag in a in a flag holder. Yep. Sometimes you have to pin somebody, and then you get to wave your flag around. Or you get to listen to your national have, anthem. Yeah, they have never had consistent rules. I don't know why they have them. Yeah, I mean, I, now that I've watched the first WrestleMania, it's like, man, I, I wish... Can you believe that they've actually kept going after these first two? I know. I was just thinking, like, they got more popular. And I think it was just because the lack of, you know, obviously they didn't have any pay-per-views. I mean, heck, before WrestleMania 2, they had one other big attraction. Yes, the wrestling classic. Yeah. And that was on, I don't know where that was, but, you know, point being is, you know, they weren't inundated, obviously, with content right definitely i mean but, that was on pay-per-view the wrestling classic was on pay-per-view and that was like a 16-man tournament in one night oh god yeah 
Sorry, guys, you have to work four to eight times tonight. <laughs> well, yes, but to make up for it, all the matches were super short. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. So, yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to WrestleMania 3 because of all the pop of circumstance around it. I've never seen the Macho Man, Ricky Dragon, Steamboat match. Hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to WrestleMania 3, and we'll see how it stacks up. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we head off? Uh, no, not, not particularly. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening to, uh, Review Mania, or Review Every WrestleMania. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, please leave us feedback, CosmicPotato.com, or go on iTunes and leave, uh, leave a review and a rating. We greatly appreciate review, it. Or you can also send us an email at reviewamania at gmail.com. There you go. Uh, give us your feedback. It would be interested in hearing what your thoughts on WrestleMania we're reviewing. Or, you know, is there any weird stories you have or anything? I know I'm really excited to get into the later WrestleManias because I've got, you know, stuff. You know, I am a lot more vivid on those, but... You know, like, I could have personal stories. Like, right now, I'm very detached from these WrestleManias. Um, don't, never watched them at all. And, you know, right now, it's just kind of like, well, there's wrestling. This is a thing. But it is definitely interesting watching year to year, kind of seeing who's still around, who they're bringing in. You know, like I said, um, you know, I was, I didn't know Bret Hart and, and Jim Anvil and I were there that early. You know, you saw what Bret Hart became and, you know, how important the Hart Foundation, even into the 90s, was so important. You know, for the Attitude Era. Yeah, I guess Bret Hart was important. I guess. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to WrestleMania 3 in two weeks. Two weeks.